the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Abunim did the Greek, so I'll do the English. Christ is risen. Thank you. And I want to echo what Abuna said. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Uh, this is a great day to celebrate um, all of those who uh, part- participate in motherhood, which is a great blessing. So happy Mother's Day to them. And also it's the feast of uh, the beloved Saint, Saint Mark, the founder of our church, and of course the writer of the Gospel of Mark. So there's a lot of blessings today. Um, I'm very happy I can be here and uh, share it with all of you. And I, I hope that you pray for me and, um, and we will meditate on the gospel together. So the gospels of the Holy 50 Days are focused on a main topic. All of them have the same theme and it's a focus on Christ's divinity. Um, in the focus on Christ's divinity, we're mostly gonna be reading from, I believe all the gospels are from the gospel of John. We read on the Resurrection Feast, the story of the Resurrection from the Gospel of John. Last week, of course, we read uh, the Thomas Sunday Gospel from the Gospel of John. Today is from the Gospel of John, and we will continue in that theme throughout the Holy 50 Days. Um, There's also a focus on the I Am statements of Christ, wherein he reveals his divinity. And as you heard today, he said, I am the... Bread of life. I know, I know you're paying attention. You're just shy. Yes, I am the bread of life. Exactly. Um, next week, you'll hear him say, I am the living water and etc. So let's talk about Christ being the bread of life. Well, let's focus on the word bread first. The concept of bread gives the idea automatically of nourishment. Um, and, you know, the prophet, forgive me for my Arabic. I am not very uh, good at Arabic. But I think the Arabic language has a lot to, to teach us in these concepts. For example, the proper word for bread in Arabic is khubz. But Egyptians actually use a different word. They use aish, which comes from the same word as life. To aish, right? And so um, we know that bread is essential for life. And bread actually can mean life in some languages, as we just discussed. This idea of God being the source of life and God being life itself is essential to our understanding of who God is and what he does for us. So we're going to talk about two different points about God and life. First of all, God is the creator. Christ is the creator, which means that he brings forth life. And of course, him being God, he can bring forth life out of nothing. In John chapter 1, verse 3, about Christ, the evangelist John writes, All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. So this idea of God, the creator, and of course we say it in our creed, this idea of God, the creator, means he is the source of life, and it's essential to our understanding of how the whole world works. So I'm going to give you a rapid fire, a couple of verses here just so we can see that. In the Old Testament, whenever the Israelites were comparing their God to the gods of the nations, one thing that they always started with, and the crux of what they believed was God was the creator. God was the creator of heaven and earth. If you just search God the creator throughout the Bible, there is so many verses, it would be impossible to go through all of them. 
Let me point out one for you in the book of Nehemiah. In the book of Nehemiah, in the Old Testament, the Levites were trying to encourage the people after coming out from Babylon, coming out from a foreign land and a foreign religion to, uh, to confess their sins and then they praise together. And Nehemiah chapter 9 is beautiful. It gives the history of Israel and it's, it's, it's a very good chapter to read. But they start out their prayer saying the following. This is Nehemiah chapter 9 verses 5 and 6. Nehemiah, or, uh, the, the Levites say, Stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. Why are you alone the Lord? Because you have made heaven, the heaven of heavens and all their hosts, the earth and everything on it, the seas and all that is in them. And a key word here, and you preserve them all. The hosts of heaven worship you. This concept, of course, is also found in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul says in his epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 8, verses 5 and 6, For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, of whom are all things. When he says, of whom are all things, another translation could be, of whom all things exist. And, and then he continues and says, and we for him... And one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, or through whom all things exist. And then he ends by saying, and through whom we live. Our existence is dependent upon the Creator. One more, finally, in the book of Revelation, at the end of chapter 4, we see the heavenly hosts, and we see the 24 priests, when they are praising God, they say the following. They say, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? For you have created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. So the existence, the essence of life, life itself comes from God, and it is the crux of our belief in God. God alone is the creator. God alone has the power to bring life from nothing, and God alone is the one who gives life and who preserves life. What does this mean for us? Well, I think it's apt today to speak about motherhood. So let's take a step further and talk about motherhood. Although God is the only true creator, he gave humanity a blessing. He granted humanity the ability to participate in the act of creation, right? When he created humanity, he gave them in the garden the command to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth. In this way, humanity and women especially become what we can call sub-creators. They are not creating out of nothing, as God can, of course, but they are creating from what they have. And they also, of course, bring forth life. The Bible tells us the reason the first woman was named Eve. In English, the verse doesn't make sense. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the living. That doesn't mean anything for us. In Greek, the word for Eve is zoe, zoe, is where the name zoe comes from. And if you were singing with us the Christos Anesti hymn, we said zoin, which means life. In Arabic, of course, and forgive me again for my Arabic, it says, Adam, Asim el Mara, Hawa, Lianaha, Um Kolle, Hayat. 
right? Her name is uh, Hay, sorry. Kul Hay. Thank you. So, Hawa is the name Eve, and it means she is the mother of Hay, of life. So, this concept of life is also ingrained within motherhood, within womanhood. Now, some church fathers have meditated on this idea of our sub-creation, or we also call it procreation, and how this, effect, uh, how this relates to God. Notice that this is a blessing that we have that the angels do not. The angels and all the hosts of heaven were not given the role, as far as what was revealed to us, to create. The angels do not bring forth more angels or do not bring forth other ranks. They cannot procreate. So this is a blessing, actually, that humanity is given that no other creature, uh, that no other intelligent being is, is given. So the fathers meditate on this and say, when Satan saw this ability of, of humanity to procreate, that's when he became envious, and that's when he fell from his position. Satan fell, and his pride fell, because humanity was given a gift that even the most glorious of all angels uh, were not given. So, what does Satan do? The wicked one seeks to destroy. He sought to destroy and take away the ability of life. And how do you take away life? By giving humanity death. And of course, if life is the source from God, and Satan now becomes the enemy of God, bringing forth death and destruction and uh, pre the prevention of life to humanity. In the prayer of the reconciliation, the priest says, and death, which entered into the world through the envy of the devil. So it's because of Satan's envy, the, the envy of the devil, that death entered into the world. This is actually also a reference to the book of the wisdom of Solomon, a deuterocanonical book in the Old Testament. So like I said, death, destruction, and the prevention of life are the work of the devil. Anything that hinders life or seeks to undermine life is the work of the devil. And it is not fit for us Christians to participate in. These things, the works of the devil, are present in the world. We can see them. And some of you may know where I'm going with this. But I will say it. We can see these things present in things such as killing and murder and suicide. And probably the most egregious sin of all of these, which is the sin of abortion. Now, if you were listening to the news recently, um, there was a draft of a Supreme Court decision that was leaked, um, overturning uh, the idea of abortion be being a constitutional right in the United States. We as Christians should celebrate this. It is not a right to kill. It is not a right to abort. It is not a right to murder or to prevent life from coming forth. We as Christians believe the exact opposite. And I know that this is a hard thing to say. But I believe personally that it is our martyrdom to be able to stand up and to uh, preach against what the rulers of this world want to be in effect. In current days, the lies of Satan have been imposed upon the world to convince humanity that not only is it okay, but it is a right, a human right and it's proper for women to abort their unborn children. This is a disgusting lie. We cannot accept this. Abortion 
is the work of the devil and that it seeks to bring about death and destruction and hinder the glory of the creative purpose for which humanity was formed. Once again, theologically, as Christians, we must be opposed to every aspect of abortion if we truly believe that God himself is the creator and God himself is the source of all life. Therefore, what is our duty? It is our duty to bring life into this world, to nourish it, and to, uh, and to let life flourish in every way possible. The second point I want to make is that Christ himself is the life. He said, I am the bread of life. We read from John chapter 1, verse 3. If we read the next verse, which is verse 4, John says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. What does it mean that the life is the light of men or of mankind? What is life being the light of men? The light is our path and the way that we walk. The way that we walk is the way of life. This is what John declares in the beginning of his gospel. This is what John declares Christ has come to do. He, he, he gave life to men, and this is the light of men. Life is how we function in this world. And Christ again says it in today's gospel. In today's gospel from John 6, in verse 40, he says, This is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, life forever, life without death, life without any semblance of death. There is no death in the life that Christ wants to give us. And then he says, And I will raise him up at the last day. So even if death occurs, he will raise us up. And of course, that is... The whole point of the Holy 50 Days, the whole point of the resurrection is that he gives life, he conquers death, he destroys death, he has no association with, with death. He submit himself to death. Why? That he may destroy it by its own power and give us life and life for all. So life indeed is our light. Life is our purpose. Life is what we are aiming for. So that even when we leave this world, we have life after so our duty is to nourish life. We must fight against the death and the destruction and the work of the devil. I'm going to continue what I said in the, in the liturgy. Abuna, said, or Abuna says in the liturgy, in the prayer of reconciliation, that the death came through the envy of the devil. But then he continues and he says something else. You have destroyed by what? The life-giving manifestation of your son. The Son, Christ, was revealed to us and He was manifested in a life-giving way, in a way where He is giving life to everyone. And of course, we know what Christ says in the Gospels. I came to give life and to give it more abundantly, more abundant life. So the idea, of course, is to continue life. There is this idea in Middle Eastern culture, and maybe you all have felt it. Um, and it's the way that Egyptian parents or other Middle Eastern parents actually, show their love for their children. We say uh, the fathers show love to their children by giving their children money, and the mothers show love to their children by giving their children, you guys said it, food, right? I'm going to cook you your favorite thing. This is how I show I love you. Oh, you need something? I'm going to give you money. This is how I show that I love you. And um, it is a beautiful thing. But let it, if we just boil down love to only these concepts 
we would understand that this is not all that the parent is called to do. A parent is not only called to feed their children and to give them money, and that's it. A parent is called to do more. You must nourish life in every way. You teach them how to live life. You teach them how to live life more abundantly. You teach them how to give life to others, how to raise life in other people, how to help, them, how, how to help other people continue their lives, and how to serve other people in this life. And so if we want to be like Christ and to nourish life and to allow life to flourish, then we must take an active part in this. How do we do that? We lift up people. We encourage them. We allow them to take more steps towards Christ, who is the source of life. We serve them. We help them and we lead them to the life that is after this life. I think I said the word life a hundred times, but let me say it one more time. In the book of Deuteronomy, this is what I'll end with, the last verse. God puts it very plainly for the Israelites. He says the following. God says himself, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set forth before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Let us always choose life and flourish and nourish life in this world, which is the act of our Lord Jesus Christ. Glory be to God forever. Amen. Amen.